This is Lon Winters with Graphic Elephants. This is Jimmy Lamp. This is Matt Masala with the RhinestoneWorld.com. And you're listening to the Two Regular Guys Podcast. And you are listening to the Two Regular Guys Podcast. Podcast. Hosted by... My name is Terry Combs RG. Regular guy. And Aaron Montgomery. We're just regular guys having fun and uh, trying to, to make a living in this really cool and exciting industry. I think we all want to succeed 100% of the time. Seek to understand before I try and make myself understood. Bring a ton of great information. Coming to you live from somewhere dark, dirty, and dank. All right, welcome to the show. It is Friday, January 27th, 2023. My name is Aaron Montgomery, and you can find me over at our success group. And uh, my name is Eric Campbell, and you can find me at ericcampbell.com. Uh, very obviously, I am not Terry Combs. However, what? I will be sitting in for Terry Combs. I know, right? I do a great impression of him, but yeah. you know, the talent is the talent, and he's just not here. But <laughs> he, he's currently quite busy, but we will go on ahead with discussing the art of pricing, which is something we regularly talk about both on and off screen. Yes. And particularly as we've been at the shows recently, I just came back from Long Beach, and with all these newly minted decorators around, you better believe the topic of pricing and value is pretty high on the agenda. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So getting a, getting a chance to talk about this, Eric, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. You know that this is a passion topic of mine because I, I just, we have such a huge attrition rate in our industry. Yeah. And a lot of that just boils down to the fact that there is not a good pricing model out there. Right. So um, oh, yeah. <laughs> this is something that was really important. Uh, Todd and I, when we started our success group, Todd's in the comments there this morning, I said morning all earlier, but um this this was a this was an area of concern right and so this was really the first thing that we tackled back in 2020 when we started our success group was figuring out what that pricing model is so speaking of todd he says great seeing you again e rich <laughs> great conversation <laughs> we're had absolutely this is true i got to see him out at the show and like i said it was it was buzzing we'll have a lot yeah. to cover but you know we have other stuff going on i hate yes. to preempt all the great stuff especially <laughs> because we have our new segment coming up yeah, exactly. Let's let's get into that, Eric, and then uh, we'll get back in and, and uh, get a little update from you on, on Long Beach, but then also get into this. Because if you would have just let me go, Eric, I would have just started talking about the art of pricing. Poor Matt would have been like, hey, what about me, guys? I know. We have Matt who's <laughs> prepped and ready and <laughs> ready to delivers awesome value, and, and yes. we're just talking right over Zoom. So yeah, without yeah. any further ado, yeah, let's yeah. get into the news. Thanks for having me here today, guys. Eric, Aaron, regulators, appreciate the invite. Let's jump right in. Gildan comes in at number 60 on Corporate Knight's list of the world's most sustainable corporations out of a list of nearly 7,000 companies. Gildan's environmental, social, and governance initiatives helped it move up the rankings from 79th last year. It was the only apparel manufacturer to make the list. In other news, Next Novel Apparel has announced two steps in continuing its longstanding commitment to ethical and responsible sourcing. Next Level is speeding up its efforts to have all fabric suppliers 100% U.S. grown cotton for purchase orders placed after February 1st of this year. Additionally, the company is implementing origin testing protocols to further ensure the integrity of its supply chain. Next Level has actually hired a third party that combines forensic science and data to verify the origin location of raw material. No word yet on whether CBS has given a green light to CBS Apparel TV show. <laughs> In addition to that, Next Level also announced the acquisition of Germany-based Stedman, 
a designer, manufacturer, and supplier of premium casual and sportswear blank apparel for the printwear industry. Stedman has been around since 1953 with a distribution center in Ghent, Belgium, and market presence in over 40 countries. Uh, moving on, I'd like to give a shout out to Haynes Brand. When Hurricane Ian ravaged Florida in late September, it took nearly 150 lives, left millions without power, and displaced tens of thousands of residents. The storm exited quickly, yet left a long-term need for essentials and support as uh, Haynes Brand has continued. In the months after the hurricane hit, HBI and partner Delivering Good provided more than 90,000 clothing items to those struggling to rebuild their lives and communities. This comes after a summer effort where Haynes Brand donated 1.2 million items to, of clothing for flood victims in Kentucky. As the good news, the bad news is that Haynes Brand reportedly laid off an undisclosed number of employees from its Winston-Salem facility this week. No details of the exact number or how this will affect customer service were given at this date. That's it for me, gentlemen, back to you. Awesome. So thank you very much, Matt. That was a great segment as always. And, yeah. Uh, just love the way you deliver that, man. Fantastic yeah. to get that news. I have to mute myself in the background because uh, Matt makes me laugh too. So uh, <laughs> he, he, he does such a great job, you know, it's a little bit deadpan and, and totally my style of humor as well. So uh, love it, Matt. Thank you so much, sir. Appreciate the, uh, the news and uh, uh, appreciate yeah. the, and, and definitely also make sure that don't, don't sleep on the, the link there that we we shared to sign up and, and get on that newsletter piece they send out some fantastic information um and so you know the the news that uh, matt brings us uh, during his segments is obviously uh really good stuff but uh, there's a ton more information over there at graphics pro they, they they in general just do a fantastic job you know people like matt and the team over there at graphics pro they, they truly care about the decorator and and it shows in, in how they cover and and bring information uh out into the world so um, and I'm not Absolutely. just saying that because I'm a writer for Graphics Pro either. So. <laughs> hey, yeah, full disclosure, I have been previously, even though I am not now, it's still a fantastic place to, uh, <laughs> That's right. to get there your information. Go. So there we go. really go over to, it's great, graphics-pro.com and check out all the stuff that's there from the magazine to the online uh, support. It's all great stuff and actually wide ranging covering more decoration than even we talk about here. So a great yep. place to go for information. Definitely. Definitely. All right. Well, Matt right. has got to get back to his day. So thanks Matt for, for being here. Um, we've got some things to talk about, but let's, uh, let's check in with a couple more regulators here real quick. If you don't Absolutely. mind, Eric, um, we've got, uh, and, and first and foremost, let's just all give Eric a, a huge round of applause already. Um, <laughs> He's he's wearing multiple hats today, and and it's. I mean, I'm not touching any buttons, so my this is great. If you see my vision go off screen or away from the camera, just forgive me a little yeah. bit. I, I have no excuse for the it, buttons. but you know, other than reading yeah. the comments. All right, so we've right. got. Uh, go let's it. see, here we got all sorts of people checking in. Um, I don't think we need to. Good morning to everybody. We'll just do that. Yes. That sounds tons good, right? Good mornings. Um, tons of good mornings, and uh, we've got Craig uh, break from production to watch from Boston. And Absolutely. Uh, we've got Kim Johnson checking out. I always got to say hi to Kim Johnson, though. So. Yeah, that's, that's and, got to see uh, her out at uh, Long Beach as well. So it's awesome. That's really awesome. And then uh, I, I also have to say hi to Christopher Kretz. Uh, good morning from Phoenix. Um, uh, the reason why I, I want to pour out Christopher is that he 
helped us bring a show. Travis Ross, I don't know if you remember having Travis on. Uh, That was by suggestion of Christopher, and he actually connected us too. So we also got another suggestion by email. I haven't even told you about this one yet, Eric, Um, by email just the other day. And uh, um, I've already talked to the uh, prospective interviewee, and uh, he's he's definitely down. We just got to see what we can make work for time-wise. So yeah, if you folks have anything like that, we're going to talk about it again, but either hit us up at info at tworeallyeyes.com if you have show ideas, or we've sent people to this one, bit.ly, bit.ly, T-U-R-G guest, and that gets you right to the Calumly sign up so you can sign up for a date. So we always have opportunities. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, um, speaking of uh, opportunities, um, you uh, provided some fantastic opportunities out there in Long Beach for people to learn. In fact, uh, Todd says, I heard from someone that felt that Eric's class was one of the best that they ever attended. Wow. So kudos to Eric. Let's uh, another well, round of applause. I appreciate yeah, this that. Is, this is kudos to Eric Day, which is well, well-deserved. Um, <laughs> but, I appreciate uh, it. You know, I did not have an opportunity to be there. You know, the, the FOMO was real. I saw all the updates and I was just like, ah, I got to not look. But I <laughs> no, was having a great trip I, myself. But tell us about tell people. <laughs> I just have to bring this up because this is something that uh, yeah. a good friend of ours, a friend of the show, Lisa Shaw, posted on her, her page. She was feeling the FOMO a little bit, too. And then she's like, there's got to be something that's the opposite. And they said, uh, yeah, the joy of missing out, JOMO. So it's JOMO. Like, I, don't have to, I don't have to do all the work, <laughs> which admittedly, uh, being that I, pre- I presented uh, four classes this time around. It wasn't six classes like the previous one, but I did four <laughs> sessions, including one three-hour workshop. Um, I, I understood the Jomo too. I was like, yeah, the folks who were sitting back watching us, you know, <laughs> kick and work hard was yeah. pretty funny, but still, yeah. I'm going to say that, uh, the, this show was, if everybody keeps saying, this is the return to normal, this is the return to where we were before the pandemic. And I, I'm going to join that and say that all the other shows that we said that fine, great. We said that that was the return to normal. Yeah. This show was packed, packed to the rafters. Uh, more than one of my classes had had uh, extra seats brought in at the last minute for all the registrants who were there, full classes. And awesome. when I when you get out on the floor, the entirety of the floor was edge to edge, everything you imagine from previous years of the Impressions Expo, the entire floor, the entire arena section, all of it, edge to edge with booths, with uh, new, like I said, new garments, new technologies, packed, just edge to edge, absolutely. So it was just everything you expected of a show there are people who came and said oh this is my first show and i'm like boy did you ever just hit the right show to come on because there were so many people there and so much going on and i think what was more exciting for me than any of this because everybody says okay what's the new technology i'm going to do an update on the take up this afternoon as well talking about this stuff the technology for me wasn't the deal and i'm sorry to all the only awesome machine manufacturers and vendors and everybody saying you know hey we spent a lot of money to show you that stuff (laughs) <laughs> but it wasn't as exciting as the attitudes. Yeah. There were lots of new decorators. So people who had just started in or had taken over a business, lots of new folks. So a lot of kind of fresh ideas and thoughts going around and people who are bringing that new energy and lots of people who are really just seriously getting into it. They were digging into real topics. The questions I were I was answering invariably were pointed and educated and just energy. People who are excited, cool. excited positive outlook, people looking to grow. Uh, you, you just can't, you know, it wasn't like some of the previous shows we've had kind of during these harder times. It, yeah. Like people were looking ahead. That's cool. I'm glad that that carried over. Cause that was definitely the theme out there in, in Las Vegas too. And oh yeah. United, you know, that, that same kind of, kind of theme. And I was hopeful that, you know, that wasn't just because of, 
uh, the fact that we were in Las Vegas, right? I mean, Long Beach <laughs> is not a bad place either, but. Um... <laughs> oh, no, no. I mean, don't get me wrong. Going from winter to Long Beach winter was certainly great. Everybody always says, oh, New Mexico, it sounds hot. I live in the mountains, folks. It's cold. <laughs> it was gorgeous to be out there walking around Long Beach. But at the same time, like I said, if you're talking about the Impressions Expo shows, this was a return to form. And I think it was actually almost a little bit more. The As far as the interactions with people, it felt like a pre-pandemic show. It felt like, in fact, one of the hopeful shows. It felt like a show on a good year where people were solid. Nice. And that was fantastic. So it was really yeah. great. Yeah, that is. Um all right. Well, let's see what else we've got in the in the comments here. Michelle says, I wanted to take Eric's class, was only there for one day. There will um, be more times for classes. That's right. Ramona <laughs> says, we need sound effects, applause, drum roll, congratulations. Right. We do have a drum roll now, by the way, after... 10 years of the Reggie's the 11th <laughs> year, we will have a drum roll. So I'll, at some point I'll get the producer soundboard. It's gotta be something where I can inject just the sound. We'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we, yeah, we probably could do that with like a, a share thing, but yeah, that'd be, but we'll figure it out someday. Yeah, someday. Yeah. <laughs> but, but we do have like the video overlay quick drum roll now. So See, that's good. Could, at least could use that in a pinch. For it. Yeah. We, <laughs> Use that in a pinch. All right. Um, I don't want to turn to like the morning zoo uh, DJ stuff, guys. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> That's funny. Um, and so Christopher says, I, I wanted to go to ISS Long Beach, but I'm going to Atlantic City this year. There you go. Interesting. Yeah. That's a, a interesting, right? Uh, so Christopher's in Phoenix. So sure. Long Beach is a potential drive. I don't yeah, think sure. you're going to be driving to Atlantic City. So. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I have a hard time with with getting out there sometimes. I, I'm not booked for it this year, and that's I always find that coming from the West, it's a little harder to get out to yeah, yeah, to that one yeah. particularly. But it Atlantic City's yeah, the Atlantic City is the only place I've ever been where I was on a beach and there was snow on the beach. So. <laughs> <laughs> Gets a little cold in March out there, so bring bring your jackets, Christopher. It, yeah. <laughs> you'll need them. Um, sure. And and he mentioned about Travis that he taught at the ISS this year. Yeah. And I think he's got an article. And yeah, yeah. So it's great. Travis, great guy. Um, yeah. Todd says Vegas in two weeks for uh, APA. Um, so make sure that uh, you're yeah, looking that sure. one up. We'll have some information about that one. Um, Let's see here. Oh, there you go. Christopher says, my wife and I grew up in the Philly area. So there, there you, you go. go. So Atlantic City's uh, a train ride from Philly. So you normally fly in. Most I used to always fly into Philadelphia. So. Oh, yeah. Always fly into Philly and drive in. But yeah, that's yeah. one of those. Like I said, it's a it's a bit of production getting out there. A lot of the shows are. But that's one of the reasons I think some of you don't always see everybody from the West yeah. heading out. Okay. All right. Well, anything else about Long Beach, Eric, that uh, stood out to you that you wanted to share with the, the regulators? Well, it's hard because, you know, as an embroidery person, I was dead on the embroidery. <laughs> so I went to all the embroidery booths and saw that. I saw some excellent automation over the Hirsch booth. DSK uh, had their machine that kind of dubbed the Rocket, which is a 2,000 uh, stitch a minute machine. So we were really rolling hard. That was incredibly okay. watching that fast. Great tech demos of new materials that were out there. I will say this, as if we don't already know, um, direct-to-film transfers, I mean, wow. What What's that? I've never heard of it. Uh, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> DTF transfer was everywhere. And yeah. by the way, speaking of, uh, once again, our industry friends, the Equipment Zone booth, and Jay was out there, Jay Bissell, a wonderful friend of the show, and also Terry himself, they were out there teaching and talking about that stuff. And I actually, I, hey, I, I will wait for my commission check shortly because I was out there talking about the power of, <laughs> of transfers and the power of heat press with, the, with those guys. And I, I started talking to the people at the booth and teaching about patch hats and things that were going on yeah. while, while they were doing that. So cool. it was cool to see to see it really be useful and people start talking about models. 
I think that's the other thing too. To, talking about use cases in a way that was not just, hey, here's a, here's a thing, here's a new technology, everybody wants it, we've got it. It was more like, here's what you can use it for and where it makes sense, and yeah. that was cool. Because yeah. it, it has now become ubiquitous though. Yeah. If there was a question about that, I think go ahead and put that to rest. I, I was shocked just how much the conversation became about that, up to and including me discussing multimedia and embroidery and everybody immediately sure. going to, how can I integrate? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, direct film transfer. Yeah. It's interesting because I had a, uh, I was actually having lunch with some local friends who are, are sublimators on the, on a pretty large level. Yeah, yeah. And, and they were talking about, you know, DTF and they, they asked, you know, do you think it's a game changer? And I'm like, gosh, that's such a hard question because I, I think in a lot of ways it can be, but there, there is a use case for it, right? It's not the be all end all, you know, Messiah that, that, that sometimes sure. I think people get get that's out there but it also at the same time is um a great solution in in a ton of ways right so yeah. um, i'm glad that people are talking about use cases because yeah um yeah interesting so for sure um all right so we've got uh, charlie tablieb checking in good morning yeah, sir. good morning charlie great to see you out here and, yeah, and mr charles good morning to you um yeah and Christopher asks, Eric, what did you think of the die sub embroidery machine? So th this uh, is actually, the color reel, right? Is this that... is the color reel. So the color okay. reel was out in force. Yeah, people were really looking at the color reel. I'm going to say this. Uh, if you want to hear about what I've said about it, I actually written a couple of pieces on it for oh, magazines. Cool. I talk about it a lot. Um, color reel is a really interesting technology. And this is not to take anything away from color reel, but yeah. I always kind of tell people this is something where you would really have to structure some portion of how you decorate around it. Yeah, because it doesn't. I think people imagine that you can do something to the to the level of printing a a picture over embroidery. That is not at all what it does. Yeah. Um, it can make an incredible gradient, but the gradient follows the stitch angle. It's not, if you had different stitch angles, you couldn't then do a gradient on all these different angles from top to bottom. Hmm. It follows the angle of the thread. So you uh, straight fill stitches that are all one stitch angle gradient top to bottom is excellent gradients yeah. along a satin stitch path is great but as it turns it changes so it doesn't just like lay a photograph on top of embroidery that's not yeah. what it's going to do it allows you to make uh gradual changes and if you have to do a really sharp change you have to kind of spool out some thread either manually or you have to hide it in the underlay to get to that new full color there's a bleed over so ah. it's a really incredible technology uh, i think it'd be great for I us talk about this like kiosks, um, digital, if you're doing digital one-offs where you want to have a specific color and don't want to ever change thread, that would be incredible. Uh, rapid prototyping for fashion. spool of white thread, right? Yeah, because it's just one <laughs> big spool of white poly. So you're never going to change that thread. So it does actually, it does save some time in that case. Yeah. But you digitize specifically for it. Yeah. There is a, a distance between the color unit and the head where you have to kind of run off that excess thread. And it doesn't just lay a graphic over top of embroidery you can die. So you're not dying. You're not changing color in the middle of a stitch precisely. Yeah. That's not happening. You are changing color gradually. So it's fantastic for gradients. If you were doing resort wear with sunsets everywhere, absolutely. I would be like, Hey, go ahead. If that's what your, your big thing is that, or you're doing fashion stuff where you want to do just wild gradients across certain things. Or like I said, kiosk where you want that new color, color reel makes a lot of sense for that, but it is fairly expensive. I've seen people putting it to good use, but those people are making the model and selling the art that Color Reel does best. They're selling the cool textures, they're selling the cool gradients, um, and they're also, like I said, they're digitizing for Color Reel. You're mm. not just taking your existing files and slapping a gradient in there without some extra work. 
So I would say you need a color real digitizer to work on it. That doesn't necessarily mean you can't learn it. I went and did training with them. They were gracious folks. And uh, it was really interesting to do that training. And I, I've gotten to work on their software. I think we're going to see more developments as it becomes integrated with other softwares down the road. But at the moment, I think it's early days. It's early days right now, and it's a fair and it's a fair amount of thread. Um, you have to move between sharp color changes to make sure you get a good, you know, to, to make sure absolutely that you're not going to have any bleed over. So, like I said, it's one of those things. It's really interesting, um, but yeah, it's something interesting to do. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Well, I, I turned but without taking. We, we still have a whole show outside. I know. You guys I want know. to talk about I... this more? Come catch me at the take up this afternoon. I mean, yeah. I'm going to do that live today, two thirty Mountain Time, and I'm talking about the stuff from Long Beach. Fully willing for you guys to kind of quote unquote derail me and talk about color real because i think that's a it's a fair thing but i've actually talked about it I, I did a stream on the show in fact if you look up color real on my channel i showed the software live and talked about it cool. so you can actually go check that out over uh, go to ericcampbell.com and at the take up there's a full show where i, I discuss the color real and show how the software works ah gotcha okay yeah all right well um that's pretty pretty cool i uh uh think that that's really interesting i actually looked away down here so i could pull my notepad out i i wanted to make a note we can't i i need to talk to eric about something but i had an idea so <laughs> i can't i'd love to give it up but i can't give it up yet so live shows people live that's shows right that's right all right um i know that we uh we've got a whole other show to, talk to get that. into here but we'll but talk with the other let's hit later. a couple quick things here mike sure. says i still think it's an expensive answer to a problem nobody really had uh, obviously, there is somebody that had this problem it. that that needed it. If otherwise, it wouldn't be out there. Um, I, I think it it has the potential to change things, but it'll be us changing around it rather than it necessarily doing everything people think it will do. That's the gotcha. thing. It's more about having the mindset where you understand how it works and you market to it rather than it replacing something you're already doing yeah. completely. Yeah, I think that's that's the case. Unless you're like I said, big background gradient fills. It's great. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And then backup uh, producer Ramona has got uh, <laughs> Eric Campbell. Yeah, definitely appreciate that. Um, and then could you answer Charles's question yeah. real quick? Very there? quickly. Yeah. Charles yeah. says, Do you need a dice up embroidery machine to do gradients with embroidery? Is it possible with a standard machine? You can absolutely do it with a standard machine. It's a digitizing uh trick and it's difficult you know it is something yeah. that takes a little bit of extra work well it's not as much difficult as time consuming because you're literally layering in thread like light layers of multiple colors of thread and they lay together until they get a gradient pattern once again something i teach and have taught but it's time consuming so you can do it and it, it's never fully smooth because eventually you're laying one color of thread next to another color of thread so it's never as smooth as dying would be because uh, they're dying on the fly and they can do yeah. a, a direct gradient just like print so admittedly gotcha. not as smooth but absolutely you can do it and other people by the way sublimate on top of white polyester thread you sometimes see some edges on that but you can also sew out white polyester thread and sublimate on top of it yeah. so that, that's something else i've seen for gradients where people will literally just do a transfer on top of thread um, nice. just like the edges of socks and underarms and shirts though you can have some show through because of the three-dimensional nature of the of the embroidery you can have a little edges on it but you can sublimate directly on thread too if you want to mess with that but digitizing for gradient is a uh, difficult but possible and very attractive. It just means multiple thread changes and being able to kind of manage your densities. So it's totally possible. But yeah, yeah let's let's not, I don't want to belabor it too much. We'll leave yeah, it at that. Yeah, for sure. For Come sure. to my other show. You guys are here for pricing, not for for that. Um, yeah. I do have one more comment from Christopher that I think is totally makes sense to me. Uh, it says, Printful is using it for print on demand. And that's where I totally agree with it. Yep. As a, like yeah. I said, digital one-off um, on demand. It, it's absolutely the digital answer to not having to worry about colors because you can pull pull in design immediately assign colors and run it 
And I think that's that makes a lot of sense. And I think it makes more sense that way. But like I said, still, depending on how you're doing it, you'll have to just deal with the fact that you've got a little bit of run out between colors. Gotcha. But if okay. you're doing that, like I said, you can totally make your model work around it. It, it is a solution. Not that It's not like a solution to a problem nobody has. It's more that if you craft you, that solution into something that makes sense for you, you can make it work. And there are models that work for it, but it may not just slot right into an existing model. Yeah. I think that's what it's more, more about, where it is an answer to something that people are still building right now and looking to build, but it might not be an answer to classic embroidery across the board. Yeah. All right, Eric, this might be cool, why you, you and I don't do a, uh, a full show because right? uh, we're yeah. at 25 minutes and uh, let's get know, into the people. Are, yeah, price. no, 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 this is good. Yeah. This is good. I mean, hey, this, this is what people are asking about. So hey, I see I a show in our future too, right? So yeah, we may have to. Uh, yeah. Though there is something we haven't gotten to yet. And I would be remiss if we don't do what we are intended to do. You know, it. we haven't hit the dad joke yet. I know. I know. I was just thinking about that going, huh? I know that Eric's got a pretty good dad joke for us, though. And oh, since you I, don't always get to be on screen, you get to deliver this one today. Here's the thing. I'm going to say this isn't my joke. And I want, I'm going to stress this repeatedly. I didn't write this, but our oh, good okay. friend Terry Combs made sure that I'd be delivering this joke to you. So anything that happens from this point on, <laughs> I'm going to blame Terry for it. Also, that oh, he made me I do it. That. I love So, uh, Aaron, you know, I, I've been really trying to get my dad joke game you know up i want to kind of level up my dad <laughs> yes, joke game and honestly yes. it's the beginning of the year we're all trying to get healthier and uh, you know in the new year i'd like to tell some healthier dad jokes i've been trying to think of new jokes that contain fruits and vegetables you know i really want to get those mm. macros were dealt with yeah, correctly yeah so hey if any of you listeners can think of any let us know <laughs> let us know lettuce get it okay ah uh, very good that was terry's joke eric wants to be very clear on that see i for whatever reason i saw in the notes that uh this is it e so i figured that was your joke so oh, oh no oh no that was terry combs <laughs> torturing me into making right. that pun speaking of that uh <laughs> so vic vic patel from uh craft express yes. uh, we're, we're going to get him on the show here too but he said uh the show is going to start off with a dad joke off oh yeah he wants to have a competition so it's yeah warning ahead of time um all right Kristen (laughs) says yikes that's so bad all right it is yeah (laughs) it was well before we finally dive into the topic that we uh, had on the schedule here uh we we do want to thank everybody that's tuned in we want to thank you guys already for all the comments all of the, the participation it's what we love and um, so we appreciate you checking out the Two Regular Guys podcast. As we've talked about, you know, we're, we're finding new guests, but we are always looking for new guests to join us. So if, you know, you think you've got a topic that's going to bring value to the community, then uh, head over to Calendly.com forward slash Two Regular Guys. And uh, you can find a Friday that will work for you right there. Um, or right on there, you can uh, just say, hey. Here's something I'd like to learn about. Here's something that here's somebody that you should talk to. Like, like Christopher did, he reached out and he said, Hey, you need to talk to Travis. Uh, we had another guest reach out and say, Hey, you need to talk to uh, Denise from Silky Socks. So we're, yeah. we're, we're efforting on all that, but we can't do this without your guys' help. We're, we're, uh, I think two shows away from starting our 11th season, Eric. So uh, wow. this does not happen without the regulators. So again, calendly.com forward slash two regular guys. 
Also, the other thing that we would really appreciate is if you would share two regular guys with your friends. Maybe you've met a new decorator out there in Long Beach. You'll tell them, hey, you need to be listening to the two regular guys every Friday. And that way they can become regulators too. And uh, we would really appreciate it if you guys would give us a review, even if you're not a, maybe you're just a live listener. Um, just open up your phone, go to your podcast app, look up the two regular guys and go in there and put a review in there. So other people will, uh, will know what, uh, what to expect. And, uh, you can do that on Apple podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Google podcasts, tune in Amazon podcasts. Um, the <laughs> list goes, on. yes, every <laughs> single place you can do that. So, um, and then again, if you are tuned in live, we appreciate everybody being tuned in live here. Don't be shy, jump in the comments, anything, uh, that you think uh, questions you have ideas you have you you say Aaron you're crazy what are you talking about kind of thing right <laughs> put that in the comments um and and we we'd love to interact with you um so just to give us a little quick segue into this Eric can we uh we do one little uh pull from our success group here and, and talking about business mindset maybe this will help people think a little bit about what we're going to talk about here let's do it So I want to share with you three mental states most business owners struggle to master. It's goal setting so that you believe it's possible. It's facing fears to be able to step outside of your comfort zone. And finally, taking action even when you're not sure what action to take. Now, 90% of the challenges business owners have faced have nothing to do with the nuts and bolts of running a business. It's not the accounting, the production, or even the marketing. It is the mindset. Now, as entrepreneurs, we need to cultivate a mindset that we were never taught in school. All right. I know I know. I left it with a little cliffhanger. I've talked about this before, but just I promise all the information's out there. Just go to osg.link forward slash mindset uh, and, and you'll get the, the full full take on on all those things we talked about it as a business owner's mindset there, Eric. So. All right. Well, um, I while that was playing, <laughs> too, I had to have a big laugh. I actually had to turn off, uh, even though my mic was off. Uh, Ramona says, uh pull out the big guns guys a dad joke grown off i i think that's a the appropriate Boy, term for it i like that. that is a threat that i don't think anybody needs <laughs> but still <laughs> all right thank you right, miss folks. d says hit the like key for sure over there yeah, on hit YouTube. the like button like and subscribe, subscribe. <laughs> yep exactly i know we uh, aren't we aren't youtubers in the in the traditional sense but traditional yeah, we love sense. It over there. yeah mr beast is, we're not hanging out with mr beast or, or whoever no no is. he's rolling a little bit deeper in the pocket than we are yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let us grow together. All right, oh Terry, I'll have to remember just how much I owe him. Yes, you do owe something. <laughs> right, but I hear we're here to talk about pricing strategies. I yes, hear we're sir. here to talk about pricing. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, so let's let's dive right into this. Um, and because again, we've got limited time. Let's see how we do here, but uh, we'll sure. make it happen. I think we can cover all this. Um. So I guess the first thing that I wanted to talk about when it came to, to pricing is, you know, I, I was thinking about uh, Terry's thoughts, but, you know, you've got plenty of experience in this, too. So, yeah, what, what, what's what been, you know, in your career in the industry, which has been just as long as, as Terry and I's, what, what's sure. kind of been the what have you learned about pricing? What were some of the 
early experiences that you had around pricing that maybe shaped some of your thoughts on pricing today? I think ultimately that there's there's two sides of pricing, and I think the pricing that's comfortable and the pricing that's not comfortable. I often talk about value with pricing. We talk about pricing on value, and it kind of mirrors that. When I talk about what kind of value your 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 product <clears throat> your production has, pardon me. Yeah, yeah. You have this measurable value versus this perceived value. Measurable value is stuff that we add in that we can calculate. Uh-huh. Perceived value is what the customer sees as valuable, and it doesn't necessarily you know, follow that same track. And I'll probably revisit this as we talk later. But I think that kind of tracks with the way we look at pricing in general. There's pricing where we know our numbers. We're working. I mean, we have to know our bottom line. We have to know our break-even point is what a lot of people talk about. I call it the minimum to maintain where it's our break-even point plus the labor we need because labor mm-hmm. doesn't always end up in people's break-even for some ridiculous reason. Um, that includes our own labor, by the way, yes. for you solopreneurs. Um, there's that stuff, and it's really comfortable to talk about to some degree. Even though people are uncomfortable with what we should charge, we do understand that we have to make enough money, that we're paying everything off, and that we can continue operations. Like That's the easy one. That's, yeah. that's the Excel spreadsheet. That's the thing that we can put together with numbers and calculate and talk about. The sure. other part of pricing that makes people uncomfortable is when we talk about that perceived value and the fact that we can be selling things and they might not have more input or cost more for us to make, but they are of a higher value to a certain class of people and therefore the price can be higher. Sure. Um, and there is something to that, the concept that those exist and people really struggle with it. And I'll say that the other funny thing is in the embroidery world, it's gotten a lot better in recent years, but it used to be where people thought of this as still, even despite the fact that a lot of them were uh, starting in a commercial place or at least had commercial aspirations, the people who came from the craft side almost thought of it as, as bad to talk about money. Like they didn't know how to yeah. talk about it or felt bad to charge what they were worth or the, the amount that it would take to make it make sense for them to yeah. spend their time doing the work. Yeah. I, I think it's changed a lot. And when we're talking about the diet and the wool commercial people who start out as an enterprise, they don't tend to have that problem. But when we have the large kind of prosumer channel of embroidery, those folks tend to have more trouble with the concept of moving from something that was a hobby or a craft into a professional setting, or they, they used to. It's, yeah. it's, I think it is getting, it's getting consistently better where people understand you need to be paid for creative work. Um, gotcha. And so considering part of what we do is definitely creative work, I think it's more and more understandable that that's something to be paid for. But I would say we're still undervaluing ourselves and our product almost across the board. Yeah. Um, yeah. When yeah. I talk to people, they're, they're racing to make sure that they're pricing rel- right within exactly the limits of the, of, I would call it pricing by committee, the four closest shops to you. They want to make sure they're pricing in the middle of that or underneath it. And they invariably end up short selling themselves and not looking to, um, better opportunities to make more money rather than just making sure that they hit pricing targets that are close to other people near them. Sure. Yeah. 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 I, I think you've hit, hit all that on the head. Um, unfortunately, he's not around as much anymore. At least I haven't seen him as much anymore, but a good friend of ours, Jimmy Lamb, uh, you know, he, he used to start his seminars, especially if he was going to be talking about pricing in any way, shape, yeah. or just by walking in. And, and the first thing he came out of his mouth was everybody needs to right now just go raise your prices by five percent and likely yeah yeah exactly so so i think yeah. what you're saying is a hundred percent true is that um you know valuing what you do but i guess from my experience too and, and i I'm, can't wait to hear any other kind of mistakes that you've uh seen in your day eric but sure for example i worked with the company in fact terry and i worked together there I worked with the company and um 
you know, they were growing like crazy. And, and yeah. we're, you know, we went from uh, four family members and, and two full-time employees when I started there into having over a hundred employees making the Inc. Magazine's top 5,000 list, you know, sure. everything looked amazing at that point. Right. And this was in the span of like three years, um, yeah. but they went out of business. Right. And, yeah. and I learned in hindsight, what I didn't know at the time, because I was so young and so new to understanding this is that their biggest challenge was not finding growth, was not getting new customers, was not, you know, they were very innovative and, and just sure. kind of had all of those things going for them. So why the heck did they fail was what I was trying to figure out. Right. And, and ultimately it ended up down to the fact that they did not know their numbers. They did not know what it cost. So they, they started in a, a in a market where there was very few actual hard costs involved because they were mm -hmm. training and software and some things like that, where the physical costs were not there into becoming a quote unquote light manufacturer. Mm -hmm. And they didn't know how to account for that. Right. And so what ended up happening is as they grew, they, they just kept getting further and further in the hole. And, you know, because of the fact that they were really a marketing company and, a, and really more of that kind of side of it, right. That, that their only kind of ability was to just try to turn up the volume, sell more. Yeah. yeah. That actually made it even worse because the more they sold, the further in the hole they got. And then, you know, that beast got so big, right. hundred plus people on the payroll, you still got to make payroll. Right. And how do you make yeah when when you're not making enough money is you know you go and sell more and how do you how did they sell more well let's give them a discount we we need to bring in thirty forty thousand dollars this week just to cover payroll okay yeah get that much money in uh, well let's cut and and so you just keep feeding that beast unfortunately until you just can't do it anymore and and so watching people do that right it, it really helped me understand that there's it's a little more complex than just selling more, <laughs> right? Well, I think you've actually hit two points that I, I thought about bringing up and I kind of hadn't brought up yet. Yeah. Uh, number one, and this is also a marketing thing, by the way, because I see people stressing about marketing all the time with like, we're working about SEO. They're worried about where they're at, what channels is at, social media, but they don't have a product where the fundamentals are correct yet. If you can't, it, it, hey, I'll quote Mr. Terry Combs, who isn't here, you know, deliver on time and make proper quality product yeah. you know, like do good work good deliver work, on time deliver on time <laughs> and if you can't do good work and deliver on time there is no amount of marketing that will save you you can you certainly can you then still make sales yes once you cannot deliver that is over that sales relationship is broken and you will start to develop a bad reputation yeah if you can't do good work and deliver on time no amount of marketing or sales is going to help you and the other thing is and i saw this actually with older school um, embroidery companies in the day the move from family to a normal shop. And this is something that actually also comes down into like standard operating procedures, everything else. When you start with like three family members and everybody knows each other pretty well, they have a communication style and whether it's good or bad. And sometimes, yeah, sometimes to the bad, sometimes <laughs> to the good, um, sure. they have a way that they're doing things and then they don't change this. They start from, or they start from a garage shop. Like they're two guys who are just making it happen. You know, there's, it's all sweat equity. They're breaking their backs, making things happen. Yeah. But a lot of the things they do aren't really scalable and don't make a lot of sense once they become the bosses and their employees start making that same 
work happen. Mm-hmm. Um, they're doing a lot of stuff that doesn't make sense as a sustainable company when they first start up. But as they grow, they end up at you know 20 employees and they're still acting like a two employee shop. Or they end up as a more varied, you know, shop that has a lot of different people from different backgrounds, and they're still acting like they're their family members who are working for them only, and they have that family shop mentality. And that, and if it has any sort of toxicity in it, it can bleed out. Yeah. And that, and I think that it, it affects the pricing and the operating procedures. Yeah. So there's sometimes where you have to stop and say. Part of the price of doing business is being business-like. We have to actually manage numbers. We have to maintain our, our information. Our accounting has to be clean. Our information transfer within the shop has to be done in a, a pretty you know formulaic manner that makes sense all the time. It has to have processes, and we have to have clear expectations. And yeah. I think that happens a lot. I mean, that kind of that the, the slow growth at first, then you balloon out, but you're still acting like a company where everybody can talk around a table. And that doesn't work once you actually have to communicate beyond those boundaries. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, okay. So I want to get Keith's uh, comment in here real quick. He says, get over the fear of being too expensive. What sounds expensive to you may not be to your customers. So don't be afraid to charge what you're worth. Your profits Mm -hmm. will show once this happens. And because... so right now we're kind of talking about some of the mistakes that we've seen um, or maybe even done, right? I've been responsible for pricing before and I've made plenty of mistakes, you know, so you learn from experience Um, and expert, right? Um, (laughs) But uh, so the other part about this too is right. Your, your profits will show once this happens. Like I, I know way too many decorators out there that are like, working themselves to death they're super busy they can't get their work out on time and yada 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 but yet they don't you know that at that level if if that's the way your business is you should be like just over the moon joyous because you're reaching your goals Mm -hmm. but if you don't have that feeling and you're just busy then the problem is is you're not charging enough Right. If you're that very busy, likely, you're not charging enough. I mean, I've run into people and in, in seen their pricing where it's kind of been like, OK, I, I've got two choices here. I can help them with their prices and hopefully they get it raised or I can keep my mouth shut and then I can just send all my work through them and not have to do any work anymore. Right. Because <laughs> their prices are so low that it's like, wow, yeah, yeah. It makes. <laughs> but but so talking about what Keith mentioned there, right? Your profits will yeah. show once this happens, right? When you're charging enough, it, it is in the profits. And you talked about, you know, money being kind of that dirty term, especially profit was a dirty word for a lot of people, for sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think you, you've kind of, you've come across something that's really a universal concern here. I think people always worry about losing customers. That's the first thing. If I raise my prices, I will lose customers. But this is this is the equation. I know I'm not the first person to say this. They're like, all right, let's say we doubled our prices and lost half of our customers. That w- that means we'd be making the same amount of money yep. if we lost half of our volume. Let's put it that yep. way. We may make the same amount of money for half of the time. That sounds like a good problem because now yep. we have opportunity. Now we can use that right. other half of that time we just picked up to chase more of those higher end customers or to pick up something else that we can do at that time or to expand the business or to refine, you know, like I said, refine where we're marketing, any of those things, we end up being able to pick up more production in the back end. And if any of that production is at that higher rate, we are now up. Yep. Now that's not always the case. You can price yourself out of certain markets. That makes sense. I mean, we can't Mm -hmm. lie and say price doesn't matter at the same time. There is, we always know that there's that there's a small cadre of people we're serving who are willing to pay more, 
who are going to give us more back for all of our input. And yep. then there's a, a large portion of the people that we're working for where they are not going to do that. And we have the bargain shoppers who will move as soon as the thing we do, especially if we treat our own decoration as a commodity, they will move to the next person as soon as the price is lower than yours. Yeah. There is a group of people who is always like that and we shouldn't care where they go. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be it, back later for other reasons, but they're not somebody to chase. Correct. Correct. And, and, you know, so kind of piggybacking on that a little bit and also Mike's comment here, you know, no matter yeah. what method you use to, to find your price, stick to it. No customers oh. owed a discount or explanation and talking about, you know, you Absolutely. can't negotiate bananas. You can't haggle at the gas pump. Your price is your price. And and I think this is kind of what you were saying there too, right? Mm. The, the people that it is about price, yeah. then that's, if if the price that they want is not going to be the price that makes your company successful, then that is not your ideal customer. And like you said, they, yeah. they're not to be chased, right? Do you do work for them if they're willing to pay what you need to pay? Absolutely. That's fine. Sure. This is not about turning down business. This is about what you're trying to bring in. And and here's the other side of this, Eric, that, um, and we can get into it a little bit more, more later too, but we can talk about now is obviously today, the idea here was to talk about price. Sure. But I think way too many decorators, their world, their kind of ch challenges revolve around price. And so that's what they focus on, right? What, what sure. price do I need to be at? Well, sure. what happens if you stop focusing on price and you started focusing on all the other reasons that people buy from you, right? Because when yeah. you're focused on price, you mentioned this already, you become a commodity. Right? Yeah. And, and it is right. You know, the gas price is the gas price and, and yeah. people will drive around trying to find the cheapest price because they don't see any value. And, you know, I, I you know, I don't know a whole lot of people that put the premium <laughs> product into their, you know, into, into their car. Right. I mean, maybe some, mm -hmm. people, but at the end of the day, like we're looking for the cheapest price. It's a commodity. Well, and at the same time, and this is a, an extreme case of it. If anybody, you know, has from the U S and you know about like Bucky's, which is like the huge gas station that has yeah, massive yeah. stores and a lot of culture and the cleanest restrooms in the world. People selectively go out of their way to stop there because the experience is so much different. Now, Correct. yes, that's a massive difference than a normal gas station, but yeah. there may be a person for whom, and I know this is the case because I know people who do this, where it's like, this place has the best, whatever, coffee and donut place right yeah. attached to it. I go to that gas station, it's five cents more at the pump, but it's worth it to me to go there instead of somewhere else because it also has this other experience that's unrelated to the product I'm buying yeah. that makes it more attractive to me. Yeah. If you've ever gone to the, gone to a store because uh, it had better hours or better parking or something, anything like that where it's not related to the product, and you know what I'm talking about. And I think yeah. we all do it. Sure. Uh, it's not. It, it's often about the full quality of the product, and the product isn't just the decoration. It can yeah. be any number of things surrounding it, uh, from the ease of the ease of ordering to other services you offer to the point that they just like you and trust you. Correct. And yeah. I, nobody it, wants to the talk about that. Business. But it's true. Yeah. Yeah, the, yeah, the intangibles exactly. still affect price. Yeah. They absolutely affect price. Yeah, hard to hard to argue on right. that one. We make all of our decisions based on on perception, based on right. We're not making like if you are not involved in it every day. Do you yeah. think it? You really know how much it costs? You know, Ford to make the the car that you drive, or, or you know, Cadillac, or or whatever. I mean, their costs are probably relatively similar. Yet, you know, we're yet people are willing to pay extreme amounts more for a Cadillac or whatever the high end car is to them. 
mm-hmm. um, when, when in reality, so, so we're not making those decisions based on that. Um, no. Yeah. And, and Kristen says Bucky's is amazing. I mean, heck, I, <laughs> sure. I saw, and that's exactly it, right? You have people, sure. like I see people wearing, uh, there was kids at the tournament that I was at this last weekend. And I just remember one standing out because I'm going, wow, that's pretty crazy. They had Bucky logos on the PJ pants that they were walking around the tournament. They absolutely you do. Know. I know people who have full collections of Bucky's merch Yeah, as a gas station. Let me reiterate right. that for you folks for people who aren't who don't have that feeling about it it's a gas station yes it is an amazing gas station but (laughs) it has nothing to do with that but it's become a cultural touchstone because of the culture it has and because of how it appears to people and also because of the quality the thing started out by saying hey we're going to have these other services our bathrooms are awesome and clean you're going to have a good time when you stop here and it's an event unto itself i'm not saying all of us are going to do that with apparel decoration and what i am saying is it does make a difference to whether or not somebody chooses you especially when we're talking about things that are commodities where we are close to the same pricing the same offering when there's not that much difference between the things we make yeah and but when you're talking about the the bucky thing they're not focused on the price of their gas no right they're focused on that experience and the promises that they made to their customers right yeah. so so what is that promise that you are making to your customers oh, right and, and if, and if honestly, it's not clear to you and it's and if it's not clear to them then the pricing part doesn't matter Right. <laughs> you know, so it's true. I, I taught an entire class at Long Beach about presenting the value of embroidery. And yeah. one of the questions I said, I asked, I said, here's these really big questions I want you to ask. What does your shop bring that's unique to this process? Why choose you flat out? Yeah. Just why would someone choose you over someone else? Why would they choose embroidery over another decoration method? If you yeah. can't answer those questions at all, then you probably don't know how to sell this stuff. And I'm, I'm not, that's not a, a dig. I think a lot of us don't. We yeah. just like, we know that people use it. We know that there's a market for it. And so we do it and we're expecting that's enough. But I think you have to understand what's unique. The funny thing is it doesn't always have to be product. And, and something that I was going to bring up later, but I think I just have to bring it in now is that adding more input to your product, more stitches, more prints, more locations, higher end product isn't always necessary to pull out a higher value that a customer would like more or that they would be willing to pay more for. You don't always have to strain your labor or your input to bring out a higher price. We all know that you can sell the same thing in two locations. If one thing is sold at a big box store and one thing is sold in a boutique, it could be very similar products that have the same function, but the boutique is going to cost more. Yeah. Yeah. It's description. It's positioning. It's the fact that it is blessed by being in the boutique. It's how you feel about it. Yeah, Yeah. it really is. It's how you feel about it and what it, and actually what Aaron said, the promises it kind of makes to you and what it says about you. That's the other weird thing. People do things by association. That's why do people care about, you know, brand names on anything? A ton of things like a, a sweatshirt that keeps yeah. you warm, that covers your body is the same from brand to brand, but one with a Supreme logo on it's worth more than one with a champion logo on it. Most of the time yeah. uh, is worth definitely more than one that comes straight from Jersey's blank. Yeah. But they're exactly. really similar products in the end, especially yeah. when we talk about utility, the utility of it. Yeah, for sure. Utility well, of it is very similar. Jerry says, uh, you know, I had a customer that would buy the same thing at a higher price from someone else because they thought the higher price meant they, they were better. Right. And, and yeah. so again, it's, it's how you're presenting it. It's how you're, um, how you feel about it. And, and that's one of the things that we spend a lot of time in our success group talking about yeah. is, is, you know, that's kind of why some of the, the, the tactics that we talk about in building this foundation and, and spending a little bit of time 
going a little bit deeper, we found that a lot of times if you spend a little bit more time on the front end, yeah, right, you're going to have better results on the back end, right? It's kind of like the 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 um, lumberjack out there, you know, if if the the saw is not sharpened before you get started, if you don't take that time in the beginning to kind of sharpen the saw. In, in this case, it's to understand exactly why your customers buy from you. Yeah. Then when you get out there into the field and you're hacking, trying to hack down trees, you're going to have to put in a lot less work for a lot less production mm-hmm. um, by, by not having that sharpened saw. So um, I, I think that that, those are definitely some of the the mistakes that we've, we've seen and, and, and kind of can, can feel right. It's just understanding what value really is, understanding what, what your value is and, and how you speak about that. Right. So, um, Eric, I, I know that we don't have a ton of time left here, but we've got yeah. a few other things that we want to cover. For sure. Um, and I think so, some of what we talked about there is, so I, I think maybe the next two bullet points here, Eric, we can talk yeah. about, um, yeah. Like, you know, what is a pr- pricing strategy, but also yeah. the fact that that pricing is an art versus a science. I, I sure. uh, intentionally titled this show today, The Art of Pricing, yeah. um, because I'm I'm a guy that loves a good spreadsheet. I mean, I live in spreadsheets pretty much all day long, but I understand that pricing, while we want to start there, we want to have that foundation. We want to have good information to make decisions from there really is an art form to it, right? You, you kind of were talking about this, that, you know, the, with the sweatshirts that sure. there's you really no utility difference. I mean, you can go to the extremes and, you know, I can go to Walmart and buy a two pack of plain white t-shirts for $10, making mm-hmm. a plain white shirt at a retail level, $5, right? Sure. But I could go buy a very similar white t-shirt from, you know, what Yeezy or whatever is, yeah, sure. you know, I've seen, People sell white t-shirts for $300 and they are literally plain white t-shirts. So, yeah, you know, that's, that's that art form is, is again, understanding what value you bring to the table and then pricing according to that, right? Not, not leaving the profit on the table. Yeah. I I think it's not that we're going to just price everything that way because like you said, it's positioned with a brand and it makes sense. I, I actually tell this story in my classes. We, my, the literal company I worked for, helped to make shirts for a boutique uh the shirts were uh three dollar blanks so they were not cheap blanks they were good Mm -hmm. blanks Mm -hmm. uh fitted women's shirts nice quality so three dollar blanks we would charge six dollars for them blank before decoration because we were doing a keystone markup on the uh, garment just to talk about pricing strategy we're doing keystone markup on the garment uh, Mm -hmm. plus decoration that was the model we were using so that's what we did for the blank that same blank however in the boutique store same blank identical shirt we did a tagless version where we printed a tag print that was related to the brand of the fashion boutique it was sold into. We put it in a box that looked like a, a little purse. It was a interesting box that had a foil print of the logo on it. So, And I believe they were about like 28 cents per piece. So okay. the boxes were just little paperboard boxes, but they were interesting looking. Yeah. And that thing sold for like 60 bucks in those stores. A 10x multiplier. If you think that putting a tag print and putting it in a tiny box is a 10x a level of input you're absolutely incorrect it is not nearly that much input but it was sold as the perfect base layer for fashion this particular fashion gar- garment company so it's like you're going to the boutique it's in a boutique you already trust you're buying much more expensive clothes that off the rack cost quite a bit more adding that 60 dollars t-shirt felt like the right call to make sure you had the right base layer for the rest of the stuff you were going to put on yeah 
for, for sure. them, the value was $60. That's fine. When you're buying $1,000 stuff going over it, then $60 doesn't feel like much. The positioning, the brand, the loyalty to the brand of the store itself all kind of make that work. So it, it does have to go with the marketing side of it. The thing is, you can't do any of that correct as the person providing this stuff unless you do know your numbers and you do have the science part of it. I think yeah. we, we should think about it not as like spreadsheets are a dirty word, but that we need the spreadsheet to have the proper foundation to make yes. sure that we're not losing money on the on the deal in the first place. Correct. Yeah. Then we start to look at the market and what it can what it can tolerate. And we start to look at where we can get extra value or add value to the piece through something that isn't that direct, you know, literally we just didn't buy a more expensive blank. Yeah, absolutely. And, mm-hmm. and one other thing on, on this to, to talk about, and then I do want to close up with what you had kind of put in the outline there, um, Eric, but sure. I, because when we talk about pricing, right, that there is not a one size fits all and, and no. there is not like, you know, so the people that slap 99 cents on the end of everything, <laughs> right. And sure. Because the, there is, there is legitimately, I mean, you could go spend, uh, you could get a master's degree in pricing psychology. For sure. Right. You know, you probably get a doctorate if you really wanted to. Um, so th- that, that is legitimately true stuff, but at the end of the day, just because the general world might look at 99 cents and think that, you know, four ninety nine is $4 when in reality, it's basically $5. Right. Um, and that's, that's the whole concept there. But at the, for you and your business, it does come back to really understanding why it is that your customers buy from you because yeah. maybe they buy from you because they do want, you know, like Jerry talked about, people thought it, the higher price meant that they were better. And so if your customers are looking for that high quality, high value type stuff, then you do want to have, you know, whole numbers that are bigger and, you know, and, and put commas and, and have big, double zeros at the end of the price, right? Whereas if your customer is a little more value conscious, but they come to you because of the the service and things like that, then, then yeah, maybe a 99 or a 97, right? Walmart has made 97 this, uh, this thing in in society nowadays. So kind of understanding that side of it too, as, as what the art form of your pricing is. So just because somebody says, oh, well, 99 cents works, right? The, the, research sure. shows well the research shows kind of on the whole in general mm-hmm. you need to take that information and then go okay here's some places for me to start now i need to do my own research or mm-hmm. what you know i need to do some testing on my end right what are my customers you know, it, and it really does boil down to ask your customers what's important to them right and then understanding yeah. that and then price according to that well, and maintaining an awareness of what's important to your customer helps you to craft your offerings as well as do your your you know do your marketing work on this. Though I am going to make really clear, we're talking about the that value that's on top of things. This doesn't exclude you from needing to know your numbers. Yeah. You have to know how much effort, how much labor, how much material cost is going into what you're doing. You need yeah. to know that stuff. And I think honestly, we can talk about the mistakes of not charging enough, the mistakes of not understanding value. But we also have lots of people who put in, when we talk about these intangible things that aren't related to the product, they don't put that into the equation. I know like I ran a lot of e-commerce and company stores and I saw shops that were essentially as a loss leader creating full online web stores for people and there was nothing about that in their pricing. Now, if you think about it as a loss leader and that's fine and you, you your pricing overall is going to bring back that labor, great. But you had to have thought about that. 
if you're just offering a service that is, yes, it makes people tip toward your company, but if it's a tremendous amount of labor and upkeep and you have people working on it, you have human beings who have to staff it, you have services that have to be in place for it to work, that cost has to be something you talk about internally. It's mm-hmm. not necessarily something you charge the customer for outright. You can. I think there's definite models where you just expose all the costs and show what you're doing so that people understand the value. But you can also just handle it internally. But you you need to understand the time things take yeah. and the effort that you're putting in to get yeah. to the foundation cost. You can never do your pricing without knowing that first. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Or you shouldn't at least. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Dan's got a, a a long comment in here. I think it's it's really good about understanding where they charge and 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 the pricing and retail. So we won't get too into that because I think I think we yeah. covered that um, for sure. And um, but really good comment, Dan. Thank, Thank you, you for concept. adding that in there. And then Mike says uh, I don't target ninety nine or ninety seven, but I also don't like to round off to whole dollars. So it appears input, right? Something comes out to whatever, you know, that's what I quote. So, so just real quick on that, Eric, for, for me is again, this boils down to also understanding your customer. So if you're somebody who is selling wholesale, right, where you're kind of the middleman, where somebody else is going to need to have profit on top of the work that you're doing, then yes, you you don't want to land on a 99, 97, or even whole dollar amount because the the person on the other end, your customer, who's then going to turn around and sell it, they want to feel like they're getting the opportunity to get the most profit possible. So if they see something like a, you know, 0.68 or something like that, they, they think that that comes straight out of a spreadsheet and it's just the minimum markup that that, that needs to be done. Right. But, but again, somebody else might go, nah, that I, you know, if it's, it, it just doesn't work for them. So understanding who your customers are and, and why, why they're buying from you will, will completely set up your strategy. And like you said, Eric, if you don't have that foundation in the front end, knowing your numbers, but then understanding your customers, then none of this really makes any difference at all. Right. I mean, you know, you're going to be out there doing the, you know, you talked about pricing by committee already, you know, the, the, the lowest combination of the four shops nearest you or, or what somebody yep. told you on a random Facebook group that knows nothing <laughs> about your business or, or where or you my are, favorite, where your costs yeah, are. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite, the, oh, we'll just take your costs and multiply times three or whatever yeah. random number that you're multiplying by that makes no sense. What's the the one that's common in embroidery, Eric? It, 99 cents a thousand. 99 and, and cents. People have been okay. saying that for the last 20 years. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure that can't be right. Yeah, absolutely. If it's been the same cost for 20 years, one way or another, that's probably not right. And I've heard yeah. lower, I've heard higher, I've heard everything in between. The truth of the matter is it's just not quite enough. Just saying that out loud. Also, do you have a single head? Do you have multi-heads? What kind of you know, what kind of labor are you doing? Are you doing multimedia? That it, None of that calculates in at 99 cents a thousand. Yeah. It has to be more than that. And in fact, to kind of put a, a, a pin on all of that stuff, I think that we also have to realize that the strategies change depending on the customer massively. Aaron's right. Uh, one of the strategies I saw coming up that is different than I used to do, we, we had all these calculated stuff for custom where we were calculating it like Mike said. We were doing the numbers, we're putting it together, we're doing custom quotes. And then I saw the rise of bundle pricing where people were like, hey, 150 t-shirts, one color with no other, it's, it's all black t-shirts, all one yeah. color, this model, and we're doing it for this price out of the door. We don't care what the art looks like. We don't care about anything else. And there were a ton of people who really were into this concept of like, I just want to pay the one price and get the thing. And I don't want any calculation. Sure. 
And the fact that that exists and is still used in a lot of places tells you that that's just a certain segment of clients. Now that's definitely commodity style pricing. That's where we're not, we're not trying to be creative. It's just about here, we're going to give you one thing, simple, out the door commodity. Yeah. That is still an option that people use. So even though we talk about it going the other way around, the deal is I just see too many people who their business model and the way that they operate and the kind of production capacity that they have doesn't line up with that kind of model and they're still using it. Yeah. It's yeah. knowing yourself and it's knowing your customer. It's yeah. general awareness of the industry, of your area, of your customer, and then yeah. of what you can produce. You totally. have to have those things on board to make good decisions. Totally. And, and you know, here's the other, Ramona says, hey, I used to do the 3X costing. I so know better now. Of course, it took me years to get there. And yeah. and so th this whole conversation is not about talking down to the people that no. that do that or, or you know, Mike says... Uh, dollar per thousand is so infuriating. I mean, I think Mike's second half of this comment is so true, right? It, yeah. Maybe three X works for you. And, and, yeah. and, and if you can Could set be. up your pricing in such a way that you can make that calculation, then that's great. Yeah. Um, and, and three X is exactly right. But to go out and propagate that out to somebody that you don't know anything about their business, that's the thing I'm trying to get to stop happening because I still, to this day, see, yeah. you know, the people say, what should I charge for this? And I mean, like clockwork, somebody's in there with this three X or dollar per oh, yeah. thousand thing. Yeah. And, and again, it doesn't mean it's not right. It doesn't mean yeah. it couldn't work. Right. Uh, but like Mike indicated here, you know, a broken clock is still right twice a day, <laughs> you know? So, yeah. well, and that's like, it's about the blanket statement. Yeah. I think if we could tie all this together, it, yeah. it's just that one solution's not for everybody. And any solution you come up to that doesn't start with personal knowledge of where you're at and what you can do and who you're serving is yeah. likely, or it's more likely to be flawed. Yeah, exactly. Put it that way. So you, you might hit it by accident. Totally. <laughs> Maybe and, you do. And, you know, once you do the work, right, to understand your yeah. numbers and understand what's important to your customers, then you can use those other things out there, you know, asking sure. other people, the the pricing by committee, as you called it. I love that. <laughs> um, you know, you can use that as market research. Sure. To, to understand what the potential might be. But again, don't let that be your deciding factor. So just because, oh, well, I'm selling, you know, I'm selling this mug and I go on Etsy and man, it, it really, the range is about, you know, 10 to $15, but mm -hmm. because of what I'm doing to it or whatever, I need to sell it for 20, $25. Okay. Sell it for 20 to $25 and just find the people that are willing to pay that because yeah. they are out there. Right. I, you probably hear it all the time at, at your classes. And I know I hear it all the time in my classes is, oh, yeah. well, nobody in my area will pay that. All right. Can, well, can we stop with that? Because somebody in your area has a pair of Nike shoes or a designer handbag. So they were willing to pay more for something that they perceived was worth more than it actually cost. Then, you know, cause you mm -hmm. can go get a pair of shoes that are cheaper than a pair of Nikes or whatever the name brand shoe is that you're wearing, you can go and find those out there. I've worn yeah. those, right? The, the sure. Velcros. <laughs> so sometimes they're super comfortable, you know, and, and the same thing with a, sure. a handbag, right? I've, yeah. I've seen my wife buy purses. Now she chose one that, that felt right to her and that she knew That's that right. she could keep for a long time. Perfect. Yeah. But it wasn't because again, perception of value. Correct. Correct. If she and needed a cheaper one, she could have found it. Right. Sure. I think that's ultimately it's not, it's also saying that, yeah, sometimes you're in the wrong market then. Like if you yeah. don't want to do that work and you don't want to do it for 
commodity pricing, you're going to have to find another market and that might mean shipping. That might mean looking for a particular group of people that might look mean looking for a particular you know, place to be. That's the thing. Yeah. You, you, not all of us are going to be in the same markets and it makes sense. If you like bridal wear, you, you're not going to be doing Walmart bridal. Yeah. If you get custom bridal, it costs a lot of money more than the input. Yeah. It just does. But the thing is, there are people who are willing to pay it and you have to find where to advertise it. Yeah. If you go out to the, you know, the corner store, you go out to your mechanic shop and put up a, a you know, <laughs> put up a poster for your bridal shop with high boutique prices. Yeah, you're probably not getting it there. Um, yeah. You have to be in the right place for the right eyes to see it, too. So for marketing sure. is is into integral to this stuff, I think. Yeah. And also, the other thing I'm going to say, because somebody will be like, hey, what about contract shops? They make money. Or it's kind of like what uh, Dan says here. He's like, oh, overseas shops go dollar per thousand. They can and then profit well. Yeah, it works for them where they're from. It works for their labor costs. It works for what they're doing. And honestly, there's contract shops in the U.S. who don't do as much creative work. They take in the work. They kick out the gear. Yeah. But they've set themselves up for efficiency. Correct. Once they have the equipment to do it, they have the people working on efficiency, they're cranking out numbers all the time, and they've got that marketing to that point. That's what yeah. they're doing. It's yeah. how they make their money, and they're streamlined to do it. What I see is like single-head producers and some small to medium shops pricing like they're you know, someone who has a football field of embroidery machines. Yeah. Um, it's just not the same for everybody. We have to find the right fit for what we can do. For sure. And, yeah. and you know, th there's definitely something to be said about, again, pricing and, and where sure. you land. And, you know, Jerry's sure. comment here, when Dollar Tree went to $1.25 an item, did anybody really stop buying there? It, you know, their, their business, had, I mean, heck, yeah. when, when, when gas was $5 a, a gallon or, or more, depending on what area you were in, we still bought gas, right? When we still had to go places, maybe we made decisions where like, ah, maybe not yeah. as much. And I, maybe I'm not going to take that trip or whatever. And that's going to happen, but that's okay. Right. I mean, it's the, today it's the eggs, right? People still sure. are eating eggs yet. You know, the prices are way higher than they were, you know, well, and maybe they eat ago. less eggs, but I bet you the egg producers on the whole are probably making their money. In fact, you know they are. Correct. That's so, the, that's that's the truth. They're making yeah. their money, and right. I think that's the funny thing. You might have people where it's like maybe they elect not to buy two sets of these same garments for everybody in their in their you know in their entire customer base Correct. or whoever they're selling the garments to. Maybe they buy less at a higher quality. Yeah. There, that's still an option that works. And it's the funny thing. I'm always getting people where it's like they get so tied up on volume that they forget that if they're making the same amount of money for less volume, it means more open time on the machines that you can then sell. Correct. And, and honestly, it, that it, you know, the, those people I talked about earlier that are so busy, mm -hmm. they can't keep up. Right. That they worry that then they start losing those customers. They're not going to have as much work, but yeah. the reality is it's, it's just a natural law. We, we yeah. expand to what's available to us. And yeah. so when you have time on your, embroidery machine your printing press your heat press you know your, yeah. your screen printer you will feel that sure. it's just but you're not feeling it because you don't have the time on it right and so it, it's it's that i can't remember the name of the the law but um yeah uh, well on, uh, i can't remember it that's a <laughs> yeah. yeah and the other thing honestly is that it's not cut and dry it does still mean you then you have to go out and sell but then, then you have the opportunity to do so. Whereas if you're just kicking your feet as hard as you can to stay alive, to tread water, you don't mm -hmm. even have the time to expand your business. Correct. And yeah. the other thing is, once you get to that level of being so busy that you start missing deadlines, 
that business will go away by itself because you're just not fulfilling the yeah. promise you made. Well, to then you back to Terry's saying, back right? Terry's, Do good yeah. work and deliver on time, right? <laughs> yeah, I think that's kind of a good one to kind of start closing up shop on. Yeah, you know, that's, yeah. Sure. We start with the fundamentals. Do good work, deliver on time. We understand our numbers. We do the the spreadsheet level work. I mean, and that's like I said, it's not a pejorative. We do that work because it yeah. gives us our foundation. And then we see what is it we can do that is beyond. What is it that can offer unique value? What is it that makes people choose us in a field of other people who have the same machines, the same access we do? Mm-hmm. We, we can't, just having access to a machine isn't enough. Correct. We have to have some reason people are going to cleave to us to choose us over yep. other options because yep, the other options sure. are always going to be there. Yep. Uh, Parkinson's law, by the way. Just, ah, awesome. Just came <laughs> Time right. to look that up. <laughs> So, um, all right, great stuff. I, I know Terry is going to be shocked that we went over, um, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, Mike says there's so much work to go around. Okay, I'm not Mike, great yeah. comment, but we're, we're gonna, Eric, you mentioned the take up earlier. Tell us about uh, what you got coming up today all and, right. and beyond. Yeah, we'll go quickly here. Um, the take up today is episode 141 Impressions from Long Beach, Michelle Embroidery at the Expo. I'm going to talk about what I and my embroidery friends saw at the Expo, but with some special attention, honestly, to the discussions I had with decorators rather than just giving you a rundown of stuff that was in the booths. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about the education sessions a bit and kind of the feeling that was going on and the things that uh, I talked about, taught, and learned while we were there. So I would love to have you guys jump in with your insights about the future of decoration, what's new in the year, and what you'd like to learn coming up. So head over to the Take Up tab at ericcampbell.com for the playlist, and you can grab any of those episodes from the previous stuff that we talked about. The Color Reel episode is there if you want to search for it. But today at 2.30 Mountain Time, I will be live, and I would love to have that chat with you guys. Excellent. Uh, also, just to let you guys know, Impressions Expo might be over, but DAX is coming up very soon. So yeah. the DAX show in Kansas City is less than a month away. If you would like to see me for a longer session called uh, Build Up Your Digitizing Design Elements and Execution, I'll be there talking about how to literally build up our elements in our design and how to handle those. Uh, literally drawing shapes. So this is some of the hands-on stuff people have wanted me to do and I've shied away from. I teach all the theory, but this is bringing the theory into the world. And then we're doing a shorter session that's uh, Embroidery RX, a digitizer view, where I talk about kind of troubleshooting your embroidery specifically from the view of the file and digitizing. That is all going on at the end of the month. So go to DAXshow.com to find out more information. Excellent. 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 Yeah, definitely get out there and and check all that out. Um, Mm -hmm. So, Eric, uh, for me, yeah, uh, so... We, it came up at the uh, start of the, sh- the show there, but uh, the International Personalization and Awards Expo, uh, I've always called it APA, the awards mm-hmm. personalization. Uh, yeah, whatever APA stood for, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, anyhow, the uh, that show is happening in Las Vegas, Nevada, February 7th through the 10th. And I'd love to say hello to you out there. Um, when I'm not teaching the class, I will probably be hanging out with my friends over at Corel Trainer. So just look nice. at their booth out on the show floor. Um, but I will be there on February 9th, uh, teaching the benefits of the simple act of working on your business. So, very soon. Yes, very soon. Gosh, February 9th. I can't believe it. Um, and then as, <laughs> as you mentioned, uh, the DAX show coming up in Kansas City, Missouri. Um, our success group does have a booth there, booth 211. So make sure that you stop by there. And then you can find me teaching three different uh, seminars there. So just head over to uh, DAXshow.com and, and check that out. Um, I've got two, two on the 24th and one on the 25th. And then um, 
and then no rest for the wicked, but uh, I'm right <laughs> off to uh, right off to the Lafayette, Louisiana EEM show. Uh, everything embroidery market is what EEM stands for, but it's a lot more than embroidery, but there certainly is plenty of embroidery stuff there too. That's happening March 3rd through the 5th. And um, I've actually got five classes happening there. Um, yes, they're going to have to dedicate a wing to you this time. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. I, I looked at it and they left me in the same room. So I'm like, oh, good. So I can just park it's stuff just your there. room. Because the first, first time I did shows with them, they had me moving from room to room. And I, I brought a actual you know desktop kind of deal because my laptop was acting up. And <laughs> people were like, why is that guy carrying that big old computer under his arm? But anyways. Um, <laughs> Oof. So here's the five that I'm teaching out there. Uh, keys to starting a product decorating business is, is the start off. So we intentionally put this together to kind of be a nice flow a cycle. So you, yeah, nice. you, you certainly could get something out of just popping into one or two. But if you take all five, you're going to get the, the full picture here. Um, the, the next one's called Unlocking Your Full Potential. And this one will be way different than probably any other seminar you've ever been to. We're going to do a guided meditation. We're going to actually get a little woo-woo. And in the description, I say, if you think this is too woo-woo, this is probably for you. Because you I was in that space where I, I like, oh, this is crazy. And it was the most amazing experience for me. It allowed me to unlock my full potential. So nice. Um, so just kind of mindset stuff there. And then after that, we're going to talk about finding your customers, standing out in crowd, talk about some of the things, you know, go deep into what we were talking about here today as to mm -hmm. understanding what, why your customers buy from you. That way you can stand out in a crowd, right? Um, and then after that, it's time to take action. So we'll just be talking about really, you know, okay, you've got you got keys in place. You've got a business plan. You've unlocked your full potential. You understand who your customers are. Now it's time to actually make things happen, right? You, you, mm -hmm. The information you get is only as good as the action you take on it. So this is going to be a lot of like setting up systems so you can get, get the right actions at the right time. And then we'll close it up with pricing for profit where we'll go completely well, apropos. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so closing it up here. Um, I do want to share real quick, Eric, and I didn't put this in the outline, but if sure. people will go over to the Our Success Group uh, Facebook page, so just it's it's facebook.com forward slash Our Success Group Pro. Um, mm -hmm. But if you look up Our Success Group, there's a post I put on there yesterday and you can actually get a free ticket to the EEM or potential to get a free ticket to the EEM. All you have to do is, is comment on the post and share the post. And then I'll be doing a drawing in uh, like, I think February 5th, I said on there. Uh, mm -hmm. And and that that is actually going to get you entry into the show plus three free classes. So it's almost an $80 oh. value. So the, the, they they gave me two, two tickets of those to give away. So um, we'll, we'll just do a random drawing for anybody who's taken that action over there on that. So nice. Um, yeah. All right. We've got, we've got time before we get to the half. Yeah. Um, just a little bit, just, just a, little a little bit, bit just a little bit of time. All right. So, but we're in official bonus time, but it's a good time for us to kind of wrap it up. We could talk about this for multiple shows. Maybe we'll have another host show later down the road, bring Terry back in and, <laughs> and hash out the pricing deal one more time. But I, yeah. I really do think it's something we, we can't talk about enough. Yeah, for sure. So looking forward to uh, getting to see you guys back out in the world, uh, getting to see Eric again face to face, give give that big guy a hug and uh, <laughs> have a uh, adult beverage with him. And um, could happen. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Eric, thank you so much. You, you've been uh, a fantastic producer and host. So I cannot yeah, I thank try. you enough for uh, 
for talking pricing with me here today and uh, okay. and covering for Terry while he's working the, the man making him work. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but he's doing the right thing, right? He's providing right. that value. But uh, thank you for having me out here. And honestly, I think it's been a great discussion and I'm glad we get to continue it. Yeah. Yeah. So next week, Eric, we uh, don't have anything on the schedule yet where we're efforting, as I like to say, we're efforting to uh, to make sure yep. that we get a guest in here. But if there's something you guys want to talk about, please let us know. Um, again, info at tworegularguys.com. We will definitely have a show for you. So uh, make sure that you mm -hmm. tune in next Friday at uh, 10 a.m. Central Time. So, Eric, I think, yeah. I think, that's I think about we've it. done a good job. Yeah, I think we did it. All right. Until then. Uh, I'm Eric Campbell, standing in for Terry Combs. He's Aaron Montgomery. And we are the two regular guys. Here we go. We're out. <laughs> awesome. Thank you for listening to Two Regular Guys. Check out our website at tworegularguys.com. That's the number two, regularguys.com. You can also interact with us over at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash tworegularguys, or send us a tweet, twitter.com slash tworegularguys. And we have a YouTube page. You can find all that from our website, tworegularguys.com. Thanks for tuning in, and we look forward to spending some time with you again next week.